And Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you once again. Lord Jesus, let your name always be on our lips, Lord. And God, the praise might stop right now, but Lord, worship continues 24 hours a day, Lord. And, the, and Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would send the Holy Spirit into this room, that you would open our hearts and our minds to your word, and that we would, we would cling to your promises. And, Lord, that, that we would carry these words through the rest of the week, Lord. So we just ask for a blessing, and in return, Lord, we give you the glory, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you turn to your neighbor, say hello, and have a seat. Hello. <laughs> hello, everybody. Hey, Jimmy. How you feeling? Yeah? Good. There's so many more people here than Sunday night. It was really scary. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. Anyway. So, uh, yeah. I was, uh, that was my ice-breaking joke. I hope it was good. But, yeah. But, uh, when I... So on Sunday nights, for those, I'm going to plug Sunday nights here since I teach Sunday nights. If you, if, uh, if you don't know, uh, we're in the Gospel of Matthew. And I think it's been a, you know, those that come, I think it's been a really blessed time as we, I mean, we're learning about Jesus and the things that he did. And it's, it's been great. And we're going through Matthew, but we're also going through Mark and we're also going through Luke. And that's called uh, looking at it synoptically, which is a fancy theological word for seen together. And it's just been really good, and so I would invite you definitely to come, but I was wondering, should I, should I teach Matthew this morning? It's kind of a Sunday night thing, and you know, I think God, God I've, I've noticed as, as someone who's, you know, I'm relatively new to teaching in a traditional sense um, behind a pulpit, so if it stinks, that's my excuse, um, but uh, I've noticed, you know, you know teaching comes uh, when, when God's speaking to you first as the teacher. And he's showing you things that he wants you to know. And it's just like, like God will, you know, it, it, God, will, God will give you these things. And it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's the most amazing thing in the world. It's like, I've got to share this with everybody. And so, I, and so I, you know, I get these wonderful things and I go, look, I got this new mind-bending insight to the gospel. And then I'll say it. And the, whoever I'm telling is like, yeah, well, I know that. Oh, me too. Great. So, so if you're here, and as I'm going, as I'm, as I'm going through this, um, this topic, which I decided not to go with Matthew, I guess is my point, but today we're going to be, learn, be talking about being still and knowing the power of God. And it's something I think we all need to hear from time and time, because there's just a lot going on in this world, and, and you know, the Bible says things aren't, things aren't going to get better, they're going to get worse before you know, the return of the Lord. And maybe just in your personal lives, you, you need to know that and what it means to be still and know that God is God and that He is in control and has a plan in your life. How to do that. Well, I think, I think where you start in that is you start from the beginning. I believe uh, in the beginning, it's kind of the foundation of everything we believe. In fact, if you can believe what Genesis says, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, and on in creation, if you can believe that at its word, 
is really the rest of the Bible that hard to believe? Genesis is, uh, is the Greek word from the Septuagint, the Greek interpretation of the Hebrew Bible, and it means beginnings. And then, if you, uh, for those of you that are Bible scholars, the Hebrew word was uh, bereshit, which means in the beginning. Genesis means beginnings. Bereshit means in the beginning. And it's, and it's, it's just it's amazing. And if you, if you look at Genesis, and you look at what it says, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And just right there, that's where everything started. Before God, it was nothing. It was God. And as you go through, God says, let there be, you know, it says the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. You know what's funny about that? Do you, okay, those of you that have Instagram, do you, get, do, you, are you, do you follow those Instagram fact sites and it tells you all these amazing things and you absolutely are convinced that these must be true because it's on the internet, right? You know, if you're like me. But like they said that scientists have been discovering that water may be even older than the sun. It's like, yeah, we already know that. The Bible says that. Right? So it's just, I thought that was funny. So there, you know, if you don't, if you don't remember anything. Um, but, uh, but he says, then, then, God, then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And it was good. And you see that when God says it, God can speak creation. And I think that's super powerful. And, and being still is knowing that, that God, whatever God says, it's obeyed. Whatever God says, it happens. But as we, as we go and, we, go, and we, we get our foundation in the beginning, I think it takes an aspect of faith to believe that. Especially in this day of age where, where there's so many things taught, you know, and I, I promise you I'm not gonna, coming up here to start the argument between evolution and creation, and I'll tell you right now, I believe in the literal Word of God. I believe God created everything. I'm just not going to go down that road. Um, but as we look at these things, we, we look, and like it says in Romans 10, 17, so faith comes by hearing hearing by the Word of God. And so as we look for evidence that God is in control, we look to the Word. We go to the Bible. We go to the Bible in everything. And what I think is neat about the Word of God is that faith grows as we're in the Word. God speaks to us, and if you've been coming to um, Sunday nights, God speaks to us through His already spoken Word. You ever wonder, why, why, isn't God, why doesn't God speak to me? Because I promise you I'm asking you this because I've thought this in my heart. I want to hear the voice of God, literally. I want to, I want to hear it like Mo- Moses talked to God in a burning bush. I don't think it was a burning bush and Moses just kind of felt God in his heart. I think God, or Moses heard a voice. I want, to hear a vo- I want to hear the voice of God. And then as someone said to me, you know, God speaks to you through, your, through his already spoken word. You know, like, and I'm saying, I get these insights. You know how I get these insights? It's reading the Bible. Because there's, these, there's wonderful teachers, there's amazing teachers, there's teachers that are 10 million times better than I will ever be. And you can go to those, and I can rip them off, and I do, like my Matthew teacher from Calvary Bible Institute, I rip them off shamelessly on Sunday nights. <laughs> but, you know the, the greatest insights, insight I get, the best teacher there is, is the Holy Spirit? Who can beat the Holy Spirit? And I, and I encourage you guys, as you open the Word and as you get into the Word, I, I, I promise you, you will get those insights. Because I've been going through the Bible, and, and I've had, it's like, I'm going, I'm reading, and oh man, you know, I grew up in Calvary Chapel. You can ask Sal back there. He used to chase me around in second grade, literally, when I should have been in class. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Um, but I grew up, I know the stories. I know how to act. I know how to fake this. 
I know, I know all the stories. I have uh, memory verses memorized from songs from second grade and on and all this, and I know, I know, the, I know the scene, right? But as, I, as, I've, as God has captured my heart, transforming it, I get into his word. Like, I remember I was just, I was just, I was either thinking, I was reading about uh, Moses and the burning bush. And I was reading that, and then the Holy Spirit grabbed me, and he said, you know, think about this. And it's just, and it's nothing, it's, it wasn't anything big, it wasn't the literal voice of God, it was in my heart, but the Holy Spirit says, you know, when I was talking to Moses then, and telling him and choosing him, you know, for what was coming up, I was always in control. Do you think, do you think I went, when I sent him off to talk to Pharaoh, do you think Pharaoh played any, anything against me? Do you think it was like, oh, the locusts didn't work, you got to turn the water into blood, or, you know, I better, I better start sending some hail now and get, get him to convince that. No, that was, it was, nothing was out of my control this whole entire time. In fact, everything that went on went to my very will out of my very voice from the, from the throne room of heaven. Am I not going to use you? And I think God says that to you guys. But I think he says that when you're still. When you're still and you're in your, you're in your prayer closet and you open the word of God and you open your hearts to, to the Lord and say, God, what do you want to speak to me? And I think your faith grows that way, tremendously. If you don't believe me, and you don't believe me, but you haven't done it, you could start tonight, right before you go to bed. There's the one-year Bible. That's great. Read the one-year Bible. But if you can't, read a verse. Start in John. John's a great way to show the love of Christ. Read what John says. I think God can start a revival on a word out of his word. God can do whatever he wants, but it, can start, it starts in your heart, and your, your faith grows in that. But in Genesis 1, chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it's one of those essential things for being still unknowing, because it's one of the most challenged facts of all time. But we need this truth as a foundation for being still unknowing. I think this sets the power of God in our minds and our hearts right away. Romans chapter 1 Verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Isn't this world amazing? As, as, I, was funny, I was thinking about, I was like, should I address aliens up here? I could hear my dad going, no. <laughs> but it's like either, either they, aliens in the universe, I don't know, I honestly don't know anything about aliens, but like, Either they haven't, their technology hasn't caught up to, um, to get here yet, or they're like, we're staying away from those idiots, you know. But, you know, honestly, I, I personally believe that there's no such thing as aliens, and that God created us. In fact, it's, it's so amazing that you look at every aspect of creation, like look at a giraffe. A giraffe has a huge, long neck. And God created him. Every time he goes down, his neck goes down to take a drink, he has one of the biggest hearts in the world because, you know, to pump that much blood to your, to up through your neck and to your brain. When his, when his head goes down to take a drink, if, if um, all that blood, it goes slamming down to his head. He has a little sponge in the back of his head that stops the blood from just killing him. And the, the power of God, God would have known to create that right off the bat. Because if it was evolution, wouldn't he have died and there wouldn't be giraffes? There's a bird, I forgot the name of the bird, but there's a bird that, that is, it's in Alaska, and it decides when it gets, this bird, it's, it's the smartest snowbird in the world, it decides when it gets too cold that it's going to take off and go to Hawaii. 
How on earth does it know to get there? It, it eats 2.5 grams of extra body weight for the flight, and it needs three, and it, technically it needs like three grams, but the way they fly in a, form, in a V formation, it, it kind of cuts down on the energy costs. They get there, they have their babies, and then they take off two weeks before their babies become fully mature for the flight, and these babies are able to get from Hawaii to Alaska. Because God created them. Like, our planet is in, like, as far as, okay, like, I don't know anything about space. Like, I'm the worst. I did not pay attention in science or any of that. Like, pretty much anything. I paid attention in history. But, uh, but like, our, our planet, like, as, as, as far as the neighborhood of the galaxy, is in, like, the most appropriate life. Not, and it's not just, like, we had to really struggle because of our environment. Our environment is meant to thrive on life, to have life thrive on it. And even as far as other places within the galaxy, we're in the most appropriate life given, you know, part of the galaxy. I mean, even other planets and other planets, if you, were, if you were somehow able to live on those planets, you wouldn't be able to see out into the galaxy because of those atmospheres. We are. We can look up and see the stars and see the Milky Way galaxy. And you know why I think we're able to do that? I think because God wants us to see, like it says in Romans chapter 1 verse 20, his creation and know, and be without excuse. I think God's going to hold, hold us accountable for that. You know, say, so what about the so-and-so in, in this country who's never heard? They're, with, they're not with, they're, they're without excuse. And in that too, on a little side note, when we talk about, what about the pygmy in Africa or the wherever, God knows what he's doing. Is God not God? God's the righteous judge. And if you're that concerned about it, maybe God's calling you to be a missionary to those people. But being still, being still and knowing is taking God at his word. Who is the word? Jesus is the word. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God, speaking of Jesus. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And if you go down to verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And what's, what's amazing like that, if you go back to Genesis and you read in chapter 1 or 2, it's, it says in there, God says, Let us create man in our image. It's the plur- in the Hebrew, it's the plural. You know, Jews believe that, you know, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So who's he talking to? He's not talking to the angels. God, nowhere does God go to a lesser being and ask for advice. Hey, Michael, do you think it would be a good idea if we created, God in, uh, created man in our image? He's talking to his son and the Holy Spirit. We were created in the very image of Almighty God. That's, that, that, that should put something into you. You're, 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 you're of the family of God. You're created in that. that. That image got tainted when sin came into the world. I think a perfect, like I said, I think a perfect example of that is Nebuchadnezzar when, he, when he's walking around Babylon after he's conquered all this stuff and he says, look what I did. And then what happened? I think God took his image out of him and he became like an animal walking around eating grass. But how are we restored to that image? To the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We have fellowship with God. Jesus is the word, literally the voice that said, let there be light. He became a man. Jesus sits on an amazing throne. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1 through 11 says, After these things, I looked and behold, standing open in heaven, 
And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like jasper and sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, in appearance like an emerald. Keep in mind, John writing this is writing with things that he can only comprehend. So if you, if, if, you're, if, you're, if you get that in your head and you think about he can only write what he knows from life, you know, up to that point in life, it must be really amazing because the only thing he can compare this to is like light shining through gems. So it must be amazing. It's like a rainbow. I don't know how to explain it. So you can see like the glory of the throne room of God and where, where Jesus was before he came down to earth and is now, but where he was in, in all power. Remember, Jesus Anything Jesus says, if Jesus is looking at the, you know, the whole entire universe as a whole and goes, you know what? Let there be another galaxy over there. There's going to be another galaxy over there. That's how powerful his voice is, that, you know, because it's his, it's his will. He's the word. Um, around the throne, 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their head. And from the throne proceeding, proceeded lightning, thundering, and voices. Again, John is trying to do his best here. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne was a sea of glass like crystal, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living was like a calf, the third living creature had a face of a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Um, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they did not rest day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Picture of the Trinity there, three holies. Whether the living creature gives glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, whenever, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down before him who sits on the throne and worships him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the Lord, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. In your will, they exist and were created. Remember, it's connected to Jesus. Jesus was the Lord of, is the Lord of creation. Another example, Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, as far as the throne room of God. And above the firmament, over their heads, was the likeness of a throne in, in appearance like a sapphire stone. And the likeness of the throne was the likeness of the appearance of a man high above it. Also from the appearance of his waist and upwards I saw, as it were, the color of amber, and with the appearance of fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his waist and downward I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around. You see, like as, as far as these writers can come close, to, they can only write of things that they know. Fire, gems, jewels, but it must have been, you know, to the hundredth power that, what they were seeing. I wonder if God just kind of even dulled it a little bit because if, if they were actually able to see God in all his glory, they'd been, you know, evaporated probably or whatever. You know, Moses said, Moses, and I like Moses' heart when he asked this, I want to see you. Because, man, I ask that every single day. And you know what? God's so good that he shows me. But you know how he shows me that he sees them? Through people. Through discipleship. Through, love, loving other, through loving others. But, there, but, but, but you, you see, like, Jesus is Lord of creation. He says, let there be, let there be, let there be. Create, let's create man in our image. And he does all these great things, and he's super powerful. Well, what does he do? And, he, and right from the beginning, in, that, in Acts of the plan of salvation, immediately after the fall of man, 
Well, in Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. So you have God, God Almighty, the Lord Jesus, in, in the throne of fire, seas of glass, you know, his, his, you know the, if you go to the Home Depot in heaven, the drywall's made out of diamond, you know, like it's, it's all amaz- this amazing stuff, and all that power, absolute power. And he comes down to earth and, and is born at the time amongst one of the lowest people in the Roman Empire, the Jews. And not just to the, one of the lowest people, to the lowest um, society within the lowest people. Born in a, the king of the universe who said, let there be all this stuff. Like you're the, you're, you sitting here and the things you're sitting on even, you're the result of the very breath of God. He, with all that power, he's born into a borrowed barn. From the throne room of God into like, I mean, look, I, I, you know, I have no idea what it's like to give birth and I will never know. And all the, you know, the, the, the grossness and, you know, the things that have to be sanitary, I'm imagining, you know, the things that they do to, so you don't get an infection or something. I can't imagine a barn is the ideal place to give birth. Call me crazy, right? I don't know for sure. I'm guessing not. But the king of the, you'd imagine the king of the universe would be born in like Kaiser Permanente. I don't know if that's a good example, but like, but like, you know, he would, he would have been born with the best doctors at the time in, 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 a, in, a, in a palace and no, God trusted Joseph and Mary. That should say something. That should say how powerful that is. If you think about it, if you follow that to the conclusion, God being born in a barn. I guarantee you, any doctor in the world would be like, no, that's a bad idea. But I love that. Think about that. Always, always keep that in your hearts. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to death of the cross, of the, on the cross. Our amazing, wonderful Savior doesn't have an ounce of pride in his body. And I always thought, you know, yeah, God doesn't want to, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble because, you know, he, and I, I always thought in my head because he's proud. You know, kind of my weird, warped, messed up theology. You know, well, God has every right to be prideful because he's God and he's powerful. Look what I can do, you know. But, but God spoke to me in that again. I was in, as I was in prayer and I was in the word. He said, you know, Sean, I, I don't have an ounce of pride in my body. Why do you? If, if you think that I have every reason to be prideful, and I'm not, okay, God, I'm sorry, you know. And that's amazing to me. In being still and knowing, you serve a humble Lord, who's sovereign, don't get me wrong, who has the power over life and death, praise God, but who's, who's, who with all that power is so good. What does Jesus say? He says, come to me. My burden is easy. Come to me, Mike. It's the goodness of, it's the goodness of me that, that leads a sinner to repentance. Pride is a sin and God won't be around it. Why would, why would the attribute of God be pride? Jesus in all his power decided to come down to save us, a plan that has been set in motion since the beginning. You really, now, okay, I, this is one of those things that I, that I, 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 originally I heard it from Pastor Holland Davis, so I'm just trying to give the credit out here, but, I mean, originally it's from God. But, um, 
This is kind of amazing, and, it, and this might be one of those things where it's blowing my mind, but you, you, all you wise Bible scholars probably already have known this for a long time. But um, so you have Adam and Eve, right? And then they had, son, they had Cain and Abel. What happened? Cain killed Abel, and so Adam and Eve, they had uh, Seth next. So they had Adam, Seth, I'm going to butcher these names, Enosh, Canaan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enosh, Methuselah, Lamelech, and Noah, right? Now, if we know anything from the Bible, if you don't know anything from the Bible, you probably know this, that each name has like this, this meaning, right? Isaac meaning laughter and whatever, you know, they, they kind of named people and they had meanings with it. Um, I forgot, mine means like pitcher maker or something. It's ridiculous. Your Sioli means pitcher maker. I, I thought it was going to mean like when I paid to get, look up the meaning. Have you ever done this? You look up your, the meaning of your name and they give you like the um, royal crest that goes into your name and they tell you all these things. I thought mine was going to be like mighty, because I'm Italian, your Sioli. I thought it was going to be like mighty gladiator or Roman centurion. It means pitcher maker. But it's kind of appropriate, I think, because aren't we all vessels of God? I like that. Yeah. Anyway, so Adam, Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enosh means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahalalel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enosh means teaching. Enoch, I'm sorry. Methuselah means his death shall bring. Limelech means the despairing. Noah means rest or comfort. Sorry if I went too fast if you're taking notes, but... If you put those things together, the first generation of people, and, and us believing the Bible and that, you know, Genesis is what, like 4,000 years old or something like that? And if you put those meanings of those names together, look what comes out. Man is appointed more mortal sorrow, but the blessed God shall come down, teaching that his death shall bring the despairing rest. You, you, you can't fake that. Assuming the Bible's true and God's there, his plan of salvation has been set in motion since the beginning. God knows what he's doing. I have chills right now. I'm sorry. But isn't that awesome? Doesn't that blow your mind? Except for, I guess, those of you all who already know it and are, you know, better than us. But, man, God loves us so much that he knew from Adam unto Noah that he's just, you know, I'm, I'm just going to slip this in here. Is it still up there? It, yeah, take a picture. That's so rad. If you don't believe me, go do a study. By the way, don't ever take anything I say as absolute can't, you know, can't, go, do, go do the research. Take what I'm saying and bring, bring it to, you know, even my dad, whatever he says, you need to be taking that and looking and see if it's true. See if that's true. Then your minds are going to be blown. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And you, you, you can, well, it's not there anymore, but if you compare that to, to you know, those name meanings, do you believe you're chosen now? And if, if, if you're not born again, you're sitting here? Guys, I'm just here to tell you that you were chosen from the foundations of this earth. It's in the first, like, seven people or whatever it was. Jesus, the Lord of creation, plan of salvation, set in motion since the beginning. Understand through Genesis 1 and John 1 that everything is tied to the very breath of Jesus. Genesis says, let there be, and it was good. Matthew 5, he, Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. And if you come on Sunday nights, we went through that. I'm sorry, we're still in Matthew if you want to come. I better see this many people. I'm just kidding. I understand people have laws. Um, you can also listen on YouTube. Uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 3. He heals someone with leprosy. Jesus just, you know, he spoke the Sermon on the Mount. He gets down and then he goes. And, and I, I joke around with the people on, on, um, on, on Sunday night 
Um, we think of leprosy, I think, in our heads as we read it in the Bible, and you kind of think maybe like they have a sunburn, maybe like they have a nub, you know, something like that. You don't really comprehend what it looks like until you, if you're anything like me and you, and you just want to wreck your eyeballs, you, look, you Google image it, and you realize that there's people actually suffering to this day from leprosy. And it's, it's like, like, if you would, unless you're just as curious and, I don't know, morbid as I am apparently, Go, just take my word for it. Don't Google image it. It's really gross. Like, I mean, it is. It's Hansen's disease now. But, I mean, we do have stuff to counteract it. But can you imagine back then and how contagious it was? People didn't go out to people with leprosy and be like, I'll pray for you, bro. Because then you're going to be like, I got leprosy now. But what did the Lord do? Not only did he speak these things out of, did he command leprosy away, he went up and he touched lives. And what's the, what's the super pastor thing to say in that? We need to be touching people. We need to be reaching people. That's what this is all about. You shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second one, the second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus even says in the, in the Last Supper, when he, he sits down, just love everybody like I love you. God, Jesus says, if you want to show me love, and I think he's speaking to us too to this day, if you want to show me love, obey me. And that's what, isn't that what agape love is? It's sacrificial love. In fact, I think it's obedient love to the word of God. And in that, as you're practicing that, I think that's how you be still and know. And you see what I'm doing here is, is, is how in control God is. How powerful, sorry, I almost swallowed my gum. How powerful God is. You know, he, and just, just all his might and who he is. And when you realize that God is in absolute control, then you should give up your control to God. And you look at these things. Jesus, Jesus with his words, healed leprosy. And if you, if you either take my word for it or if you're kind of twisted like me and you go look it up, you'll, be, you'll have your mind blown in that. And you'll be like, man, that's crazy because it's pretty gross. Um, I don't mean, and I don't mean to, because the people that do have that, so I shouldn't make light of that, but John chapter 5, verses 8 through 9, he, Jesus commands, again, this voice commands someone to take up their bed and walk. He also said, your sins are forgiven you. What was more impactful to that man's life? Because you know what Christian, Christian tradition says about that individual? That he was in his bed for a sexual disease. Is that true? I can't say that's biblical. I don't know, but that's what tradition says. So assuming, let's assume, just for the sake of argument, that maybe that's why. When, when he was sitting there in front of the Lord and, and he's focused on, on Jesus and Jesus looks at him and he says, your sins are forgiven you, was that not just as impactful as being able to walk? And maybe, maybe you're here and, and you're struggling with, should I be still and no? Or I don't know what Sean's talking about or whatever, but as you're sitting here, I know for a fact, because I'm like this, that there's that sin that you think about within your heart every day. Not all of you, maybe. I'm not saying everyone does this, but man, why did I do that? Like every once in a while, and I'm sorry if that's coming into your brain right now, and I'll follow it up with something so it stops. But like, as that comes into your heart and comes into your brain, like, you know, I don't know, maybe I killed a guy. You know, whatever it is. And you're like, ugh. You have that ever? I would venture to think you do if you're a human being. Why did I do that? So shameful. Jesus took that on the cross. That is completely covered. Jesus is looking at you right now as he looked at that man when he commanded him to take up your bed and walk and said, your sins are forgiven you. And guess what? He tells you right now in this moment to be still and know your sins are forgiven as, as as you're born again believer in the Lord Jesus. 
you can't out the cross. Because to, to have a sin that out the cross means you're greater than the Lord. Am I crazy? Or, you know, it's, it's, so you can out the cross. The only unforgivable sin is to not accept that here on earth, and that's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And let's, not, let's just not have anybody like that in here, and then we'll be, all be good, and it'll be awesome. You know? Mark chapter, uh, uh, Mark, John chapter 11, verse 43. With his voice he raises the dead. Lazarus come forth, and Lazarus got up after being dead for three days and walked out. If you're really bad, you can Google image what the body looks like after death for three days. It's pretty bad. Jesus commanded that. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. He commands the weather. And I think we, that's one of those things that we read kind of lightly, like, yeah, okay, yeah, he commanded the weather and it stopped. But it's kind of crazy to think about. And, and, and then you look at, at verse 41 of that same chapter, and the apostles are looking at each other. And I think for an instant, when he, Jesus, Jesus commands the, a peace to the weather and, and on the Sea of Galilee, it all stopped. I wonder if there was like one, just like couple moments of silence where they were kind of, everyone's just looking around. And then they turn to each other and they go, who is this man that the weather obeys him? But, you know, us as, as full-on theologians, theological Bible scholars, we know, as we just learned, that everything's tied to the very breath of Jesus because he's the Lord of creation. And I would even challenge, it was never, ever out of control, even while Jesus was a man. Jesus is a man, but Jesus was on earth. Even during that time, he still had utter control because, look, he can command the weather. To him, is like, you know, turning it on and off. And one of the greatest things that he ever commanded he said out loud, John 19, verse 30, it is finished. You know, Jesus was silenced like a lamb to the, to the slaughter when he went to the cross. And I'm not naive enough to think that he didn't cry out in pain. Because, you know, if he's a man and you stick a nail through my hand, it's going to hurt. I'm not going to be like, Dunk. you know, I'm not that tough. Neither was the Lord. I don't think, I think he cried out in pain. But, but he, didn't, he didn't cry out in the sense of objection except for one moment. And what did he say? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because you know why? You know what I think deep in my heart? I think for the first time ever in all of creation, the Lord absolutely felt like what it was like to be us and be separated from God. Because right then, I think the sins of everyone who has ever lived and ever was going to live was placed upon him. And obviously, Jesus knew what it's like to be us because he's God and he knows all things, but I think he experienced what it's like to be his creation at that moment in every sense of the word. This is what it's like. My God, why have you forsaken me? The sins of everybody is placed upon the Lord right then and there. And then what does he command in that? And he heals that even. It is finished. It says in the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus sweat, if you read Dr. Luke and you read what he says about it, that Jesus sweated great drops of blood. And I think naturally we would think as human beings that he, he did that because, you know, he was worried about getting his, his body, if you, I won't get into it, but if you, if you study what a cat of nine tails does to your body, I would be sweating, just in that, I would be sweating great drops of blood. You know, one hit, I'd be like, I'm done. Yeah, I did that, whatever. I mean, if, and, and keep in mind, Jesus didn't wake up every morning and go to the barber shop and get his beard trimmed, you know. As a Jew during that time and being out and homeless for three years at least, you know, I don't think he got Prantine Pro-V and put it in his beard every day. It was thick. It was in the elements. They ripped that out of his face. 
crown of thorns. And, and so I can imagine, and I get the logic, well, he's sweating great drops of blood because look what he's going to go through. Or maybe he also sweat, sweated great drops of blood because the first time he knew he was going to feel what it was like to be separated from his father. We know that feeling. We are human beings. We have a sin nature. And it feels like that every time we sin, we cut off the, the, uh, the communion of God. And I think when Jesus was on the cross and he went through that and he, and he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? I think he said, ah, enough of that. And he destroyed sin for eternity. And the only thing he asked is that you be still and know. Because what did that thief right next to him do? What did, he, what did the thief next to him do? He didn't, when he didn't get born again, jump up, they didn't, God didn't pause time and he didn't go get baptized. He didn't say the, Lord, you know, the salvation prayer. I think for the first time in his life, that sinful man wondering, God, where are you? You know, as he went through his life, and he, he acknowledges that the thief on the cross acknowledged. I love the thief on the cross, cross by the way, but like, you, you, if you go to my, Sunday night, you know that. But the thief on the cross, I think for this first time in his life, just didn't want to be terrible, even while he was dying. Just didn't want to be that bad. I wonder how, and he would have known, he would have known who God is, being a Jew. And I wonder, as he went through his life, did he, did he ever scream out to God, God, where are you? How come I get to go through this? How come I'm in the bottom of the barrel? And then at the very end of his life, Jesus is there and just turns and says, do you know, please, just please remember me. And then what does Jesus say in response to that? Surely today you will be with me in paradise. And I wonder when he walked through those pearly gates, and I guarantee you this, he, he realized you were literally God, God. Everything I learned about God in the Torah, God, you were with me even while I was dying. We can have that same relationship, guys. Be still and know who God is. Revelation 19.21 says, And the rest were killed with, uh, with the sword which receded out of his mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. When uh, Speaking of Armageddon, when the armies of the Antichrist come again, because everything's tied to the voice of God, what does Jesus do? I, I don't know what he what, doesn't say what he specifically says. I can imagine it's only like, mm, no, you know, and all the armies stop. It's all tied to the, to the very breath of God. Jesus wants to commune with you. He wants to speak commands of blessings into your life with the same power that defeated sin on the cross. All this power, and the Lord continues with us in a still, small voice. The very powerful voice of God, and he speaks to us in a, spill, a still, small voice. Why? Because it speaks of a voice of fellowship with him. Because it speaks as a, as a lover to someone that lo- he loves. That's what that still small voice is. And you hear that through the word of God and through praying. Sean came up here and he was saying, you know, that, that um, Pastor Mike, my dad, wants you to fast. Take that seriously. Not just for the sake of Pastor Mike or for the sake of a building, but for the sake of hearing that still small voice. Because maybe God wants to talk to you guys on November 5th, right? Is that when we're fasting? Whatever it is. And maybe you're in here and you're listening to this and you're just so... It, that should make you even more excited now because I think God wants to speak to you, church, loved ones. All this power in the Lord communes with us in still small voice, a voice that we can hear when we are away from all the things in this world and, and in his word with prayer. Matthew 6, 6 says, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You should leave here with that, with that encouragement now. Now, well, now I'm wondering what God's going to speak to me when I go in. I'm excited, you know. 
First, first Kings 19, 11 through 12, talking about Elijah, who um, Jezebel was after him. He just like called fire down from heaven, and then the queen's coming after him. Now he's scared. Just speaks how, how angry women can get. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore into the mountain and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and the wind an earthquake, but the Lord is not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord is not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. He was speaking to, he was speaking to Elijah because he loved Elijah. That's what that small voice is. God wants to speak to you in the chaos of your everyday life. Get into his word in prayer. These are the still and knowing times. These are the moments that the Holy Spirit will move in your heart and speak to you. That is a God that is in control. That is a God that loves you. None of this was, without the control of Je- was ever out of the control of Jesus. Jesus who commands the weather can command peace and love into your life. Jesus who command, the, you know, the, if, if you go and you look up all the science behind a black hole or behind a star, all that, and, and if all that was created by the very breath of God, can he not command peace into your life? How much more so when Jesus says to you, I love you, with that same voice. I, and, and really, it's my heart to, that, that you leave encouraged by this, and as we leave and we're getting ready to close, I think as you, as, as you now know this and you have this deep in your heart of the voice of God and being still and being sensitive to that voice, that you become more than conquerors. Paul says through the power of the Holy Spirit in Romans 8, 30-39, Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us, all, how shall, how shall he not with him who, who freely gives us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, praise God, who is even at the right hand of God, back in ultimate power, who makes intercessory for us. He makes, he, yeah, you know, he speaks to the Father on our behalf. That same voice, the voice that he spoke through Adam, Seth, and all that and shows us all these wonderful things that spoke the universe and he talks to God and says yeah 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 father Sean he's messed up I I know that but man I love him and he's saved by grace and I'm going to use him to get the most glory because I like using complete morons apparently (laughs) who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us who who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or, fa- or famine, or nakedness, or pearl, or a sword. As it is, re- it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And this is my life verse. This is a verse that God gave me a long time ago. Romans eight thirty eight and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because everything was created by him. You're not going to leave here, go out, get in a car accident, die, and get up to heaven. God's not going to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't looking. I was watching my favorite Sean. You know, that's not going to happen. If that does happen to you, don't get mad at me. I'm sorry for calling that out. But like, if that does happen to you, then that was God's will in your life. And what's the absolute best thing that can happen to a believer? 
be with the Lord? They hung, tradition says they hung Peter upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to die like this. Do you know 10, was it, yeah, 10 out of the 12 disciples took themselves and their families to death willingly? And you know, Father, I don't have like actual children of my own, like, you know, blood children of my own. And I, I can't imagine what it's like to have that protectedness of a mother or a father over your own flesh and blood. Like, I, 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 like, I, I can only imagine you guys would say anything in the world to spare your children, right? Even if it's a lie, even if it's a sin. Like, let's be honest. You'd be like, no, they're, yeah, they're whatever. You'd protect your children with everything in you, I'm guessing. But you know why? It makes so much sense because, you know, these 12 apostles, except for one, Judas, I mean, well, he did too, but they walked around with the Lord. Now, we can read about all that, and praise God for his word. We can read about um, all the things that uh, is written about Jesus. But you know what they had that we didn't? They had all those intimate moments with him. And me, knowing how guys are, I guarantee you they made fun of each other. I guarantee you they got, all, they got in arguments about where the best Euro place was to eat in Israel, you know. You know, and, 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 but, you know, and all I'm saying is that tightness that they had. And then that realization that when Christ died, that was devastating to them. And then everything he was saying, three days, this temple, three days, I'm coming back. And then he rises from the dead. Can you imagine what that did when they saw their best friend in the world is God? And then read about their prayer lives afterwards. Then read what they're saying, what Peter's saying when he, writes, when he wrote Peter. Read about when, when Jesus gives him a vision of kill and eat in, in Acts, and, and, and he's praying, and he says, no, Lord. He's not just only talking to God as far as him talking to God. He's talking to his best friend. You have that fellowship, guys. You have that fellowship. That's how you're still in know, is knowing that God wants that relationship with you so much. And so we stand on these promises from the Word, and we'll close with these. 2 Corinthians 1.20, For all the promises of God in him are yes in, in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. So if all of the promises are yes and amen, then, then Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and know, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Psalms 118 verse 6 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do to me. Matthew 28.20 says, Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the, ed- to the end of the age. Amen. And finally, Revelation 22, verse 12 says, And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to get to everyone according to his work. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And maybe as you're sitting here, maybe, maybe you're not born again. Or maybe you're struggling. If you're anything like me, you struggle with, does God really love me? I don't struggle with that anymore, by the way. Especially after reading that Adam thing, Adam, Seth, and blah, 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 and whatever. It's just, it's, man, the fool, the, fool believes in, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Why? Because look at that Adam thing. Because look at the word. Be still and know that this supreme God who's, who seems to me that the only life in this whole universe is us is, is like, is infatuated with you. Even those of you who may not believe. God loves you even if you don't believe. God loves you guys so much, church. I hope you know that. I hope that's when you're still in. Just be still and know that God loves you.
if you don't remember anything of what I said, be still and know that God loves you so much. He just happens to love me more. All right, let's pray. Father, God, Lord, we just come before you once again, God, and we just thank you, Lord. I can't comprehend on how much you love us. But Lord, you love us so much. And when we say thank you for your word, we say that because we, we have our minds blown by your word with the Adam and Seth thing, God. That's amazing that you did that. But Lord, show us more in your word. We thank you for showing us that today, but show us more in your word, Lord, and then motivate us to make disciples because that's what you command, God. So please, Lord, put people in our path this week. And maybe right now as you're here, maybe you're struggling, maybe either, A, you don't believe, or, or maybe you, you, you want a closer connection with the Lord. Just be still and know. Open your word. And let's, let's do the sinner's prayer right now for those who maybe want to become born again. So just repeat after me, Lord Jesus. I know that I am a sinner and that you died to save sinners. That you died to save me. So Lord, I confess with my mouth that you are God and that you died for my sins and I love you and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, thanks for having me here and uh, come, su- come Sunday nights. Tonight, stop it. Tonight, I'm still talking. Tonight there will be no, uh, there'll be no uh, service because we're having a trunk or treat. So if you want to get some candy and look at people's back of people's cars, <laughs> then there's that. Also, if you want prayer, the Keonises will be up here. If you want me to pray for you, I'll be in the back by the door. And that's it. God bless you guys. Amen. Shall we all stand, please?